Hi there! This is Iris Enchanted, and you are listening to Massacast. This podcast is for folks 18 and up, so whether you are an adult or a little in an adult's body, please note that this is for adults only. Enjoy! That wasn't so hard. Nope. Nope, see? <laughs> hard. Hi, and thanks for downloading another episode. Uh, the bronchitis continues. Just can't seem to shake this thing. All right, so uh, something weird happened about, uh, about a week ago, week and a half ago. Uh, at my day job, my boss asked me, "So, what would you? What's your ideal job? What would what would your ideal job be?" Now, this is the boss who hasn't given me a raise or anyone else, by the way, at the company for like six years. So, you know, I have no idea if he's sensing that I'm getting itchy or more angry or I don't know. Anyway. And the thing that popped in my head was, well, I'd love to do the podcast for a living. Of course, I'm not going to tell him that. But that was the thing that popped in my head. And that has continuously rolled over and over and over in my brain. And I've been thinking about this for, like, I mean, I've been thinking about this for years. But especially, like, really thinking about this really hard. How do I, number one, how could I, how could I make a living doing the podcast. That was the first thing. And the other thing was, how can I make a living doing the podcast without charging people for per episode and without having a sponsor? And that is an extraordinarily impossible, that's a very difficult thing to find out. And then I thought, you know what, there, there are many smart people who listen to the podcast. Maybe I'll throw it out there. Maybe there's someone out there who knows, again, uh, I don't want to charge per episode, right? Because that's the kind of defeats the whole purpose. And I don't want to have an advertiser. I, I, let me rephrase that. Uh, I'd be willing to have an advertiser as long as the advertiser isn't, you know, is is reputable. But it's really hard to get a reputable advertiser, right? Uh, at least, especially one that's willing to pay enough to sustain and also without selling out the whole thing. So it's much easier just to say, no advertiser. So there might be one other option that I'm completely missing out on. And if you've got any ideas on what that might be, you all, you know how to contact me, I hope. Go to massacast.com. So, um, we're doing, we're in reruns right now. And uh, this is, this. I think this is the 10th, I can't remember which episode this was, this number one. But it was the very first time uh, I sat down and interviewed Sinclair Sexsmith, Sugar Butch. I wanted to replay this one because Sinclair has been such a huge part of... Uh, of my life, just reading Sinclair's blog and being an inspiration to not, of course, not even myself, but many others. But and also, I was really happy that so many people, till to this day, find out about Sinclair through the Massacast and they find this episode. Uh, and so, for those of you who haven't heard it, I just wanted to replay it again. This is uh, actually this is when we before this is when I was still recording outside of my apartment. Uh, I was recording in coffee shops and everywhere. So this is very early on. So here's Sinclair. Well, first off, thank you for doing this. My pleasure. Sugarbutch.net. What is, it's been three years now, your three-year three anniversary? Three years, Sugarbutch Chronicles. Um, it's the the uh, uh, queer sex, what, what's my tagline? Oh, I've just completely drawn a blank. The sex, gender, and relationship adventures of a kinky queer butch top. Yes. I, I, I probably spent a year honing that down, so <laughs> I don't know why I forgot it all of a sudden, but I, I got up on a... 
another tangent in my head, I guess. Can you give me the genesis of sugar butch? Sugar butch, the term, the word itself. I used the term sugar butch. I had a, my very first girlfriend actually referred to me as sugar, sugar butch when we were starting to explore like, are you the butch? Am I the butch? Are you the femme? Am I the femme? Or something like that. And um, neither of us were the femme. Right. <laughs> and so it was one of those moments where she said, I think that maybe... Uh, I think, I think maybe sugar butch fits you kind of well because, you know, you're not that butch. You're not super butch, you know, and I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. But, <laughs> um, but I was curious about what that meant. You know, I wanted to kind of figure that out. And so so I adopted sugar butch for a little while as like my chosen identity label. Um, and I used to say in my bios, I would say self-identified sugar butch. And it just stuck. Yeah, it stuck. And I... Um, when I got out of my relationship with my ex, which happened three years ago this summer, um, I started this blog right before we split. Like we were, we were on our way out already, but uh, we didn't really, I didn't really know that at the time. And I was in a very lesbian bed death situation where we were not having sex at all. And I knew that I wanted to explore gender dynamics more in my relationships than I had, and especially than I had with her and um, wanted it to be more intentional. And so it was, uh, it was a natural place for me to kind of grab onto, like, I, okay, I, I maybe I'm, I'm not going to call myself butch yet, but, but I, I'm definitely sugar butch. So, right. so I went there and... and um, when you said you wanted uh, the gender dynamics to be more intentional, mm -hmm. uh, can you explain what you mean by that? Um, well, she was, she was kind of femme, femish, kind of, and I... Uh, and I was kind of butchish a little bit, but like we didn't really we didn't really talk about that, and we didn't really know what that meant, and we didn't it wasn't really an active dynamic in our relationship where we would play with costuming, gender costuming, or like gendered even discussions or theory, none of that. We and um, so I, I wanted to explore more of that specifically and 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 with a purpose, you know, to think to start seeing what it was like to be around somebody who wore dresses all the time mm -hmm. for example or to um to pack all the time or to like be chivalrous all the time or something i don't know we were i can't remember twittering or we were doing something and you mentioned how uh it was really difficult for you to find a submissive woman mm -hmm. submissive femme yeah submissive femme may i ask what 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 that is yeah what that entails for you well and I mean, I think where you're going with this, too, is, like, there was a point where I was like, man, maybe I should date submissive gay boys, or maybe I shouldn't date submissive, you know, well, there's this really kind of cute submissive femmy boy over there, like, maybe we would get on, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, like, maybe the submission is more important than the gender dynamic, so, like, that that adds a whole other layer of, um, of label and identity and mm -hmm. uh, things that you're attracted to and... and um, uh, languages of desire like the ways that we can communicate physical desire with each other which I think these different relationship dynamics are all playing with ultimately so what was I kind of went on tangent what was the original question no, no, was, I was just what is the submissive femme or what, what is were, you know, what, what was it you were looking for in the like for example some people like it just in the bedroom some people like aspects of DS some people right. like we should mention we're in a we're in a coffee shop right? so if you hear coffee related noises in the background that's what it is Actually, actually, we're in your kitchen at home, and we're making, we're making, we're, we're brewing a gourmet cup. Well, Axe is making the coffee. Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm giving. I it. don't make. But the I coffee. keep making it wrong. So that's why you keep hearing me making it over and over again. Um, but what what was it you were looking for uh, that was outside? I, of the you normal? know, 
I'm drawn to um, femmes and women, you know, queer women who are extremely uh, powerful in their lives and who are who are very confident and uh, strong women who um, can can control a room, who light up a room, who are really like the social social butterfly kind of people. Even um, uh, partially because I'm not really that way, so I like kind of being arm candy <laughs> right. with someone who can work a, really work a room. I love that. It's hard to believe because I've seen you work a room before you know but okay I mean I do I can I I know people and I like to talk to people so that's okay but like if I like to um I like to watch her work though and I like I if it was you know up to me I would kind of sit back and drink my scotch in the corner <laughs> probably and observe a party more than I would like really get out there and like be participating in all of this right. stuff I don't know um so I'm not so I, I wasn't really looking for someone who you may think of, you know, you meet someone and they, they're like the shy, submissive type or something like, I, I like a lot of spunk in my girl, <laughs> a lot of spunk in my girl. And it, but I, but so primarily submissive in the bedroom and so primarily interested in, in bottoming and surrendering and in like some um, particular play about control with that uh, in, in the sexual dynamic, which which relates to the life dynamic, but it's not quite the same thing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned also in, in, when you were writing about your third anniversary that the last three years you've had the best sex of your life as well. Oh, hell yeah. And is that because of the website or not? Hmm. I just envision that you get a lot of women emailing you saying, okay, look, I read and I really want to meet you. <laughs> and this, I mean, does that happen? No. Okay. <laughs> Short answer, no. Okay. Um, I, it, that would be nice. I think, I think women, especially queer women, are pretty. Um, they're not so direct about their dating. You Straight know? women I mean, too. Straight so women too. Sure, right. that's probably true. I mean, I hate to I hate to essentialize gender sexes in any way around right. here, but like you know, if you look at the lesbian community and the ways that, that we have our pickup bars, and you look at the gay guy bar pickup bars, they're completely different yeah. styles of communication and and getting what you want. Com completely different and. Um, and so it, 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 one of the things that served me the best at uh, getting more dates and getting kind of less shy and coming out of, like, coming to my own, I don't know, sexual self in a way, which I feel like I have significantly be doing, been doing through this project, through mm -hmm. Sugar Witch's self, um, is to be really direct and honest about what you want. Like, to go, wow, I'm having a really good time with you. You want to come to my house tonight? And not really not have that be as scary as it used to be because that's terrifying it can be well absolutely it's not so terrifying after you do it 10 times in one night and everybody <laughs> says no you're like well I may as well try again see that's you're, 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 you're much you're much a bigger person than I am because I couldn't uh, I can't deal with rejection you couldn't, you like couldn't that do you know? it 10 times plus in a row. I have a feeling you have a way of doing it that you have this swagger right about you I don't know if swagger is the right word confidence and we'll talk about cock confidence in just a little bit. Is that a is that a thing you just learned or? Because I've seen women swoon over you, even when you didn't know that they were swooning over you. You know. <laughs> and you and I don't unfortunately don't hang out all the time, but the, <laughs> no, it, don't. not as much as I'd like to. But at the same time, I've seen you at places and, and just women go, <sighs> and I'm like, damn. <laughs> No, I don't see that very often. You want me to point it out whenever I have a redhead? Oh, maybe. Maybe we should just hang out more. There we go. There we go. <laughs> that works, too. Um, 
a lot of my swagger is learned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's you know, uh, it, it's it almost it almost seems like a cop out to say it's learned, right? Because then if I'm like, no, this is all natural. It comes from me. Then right, right. I'm tougher, and it's just natural, and that means it's better, right? But like, no. that's that's comes back to gender a little bit of like. I'm 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 just me. I'm just this way. This is just how I naturally am. That is less. That is less me. I think. I mean, th that is less the swagger aspect of me. Anyway, I felt like I. I felt like I learned swagger. I felt like I was like, okay, what is that butch over there doing, and how is she getting that girl's attention right now, or or that like hot guy even, you know, like learning a lot of masculine swagger from people who were respectful and awesome and not less the, you know, misogynistic asshole type. Less, much less to learn from the misogynistic asshole types. I was thinking about women. this earlier today uh, about what it was because there's someone, speaking of someone who doesn't have a lot of swagger, it's easy to identify when someone mm -hmm. has it. Mm -hmm. And I remember being at uh, an event where you were at and you were giving, you were, you were speaking some poetry, you were doing some poetry and you were just kind of walking through, and I think I saw you spanking someone too. And I was like, <laughs> I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's I said quite it, possible, right? I remember just thinking that there was this Sinatra-like quality to you. <laughs> you know, does that is that fair to say? Do you think? I mean, um, there is an aspect of the of Butch that is old school masculinity, I think, mm -hmm. and that is <clears throat> that is kind of this throwback to this like golden era quote quote unquote golden era of um, of masculinity in America, which which I and many of that. Many of those styles I look up to greatly, like James Dean and right. like Sinatra. And, sure. Uh, and I have, I have, I've, I've definitely studied those films and studied a little bit of those men and what they do and how they get the girl and what they, uh, how, you know, how they cross a room. The thing about your swagger is it's it's not uh, it's not fake because I've seen there are some people who when they write their blogs. Um, they have this persona that they grab, and it seems like they're, and it seems like they're someone who they're not. When you write, you write about sometimes feeling self-conscious, and you write about that stuff, which is really honest. And I think the, the maybe the thing about your swagger is that it, you it is sincere, you know, and it's not even though it's learned, it's not phony, you know. Definitely, that's that's a really good point because just because you're learning something because it isn't quote natural or ingrained or something it doesn't mean that it's um, disingenuous it doesn't mean that it's not coming from somewhere really deep and that's something that really resonates with me I, w I wouldn't do it if it wasn't resonating on my particular body with my particular like set of desires and you know presentation gender presentation and um, I don't know just the way that I move through the world it, you know, part of my swagger has a little bit been moving to New York City also. I moved here uh, four and a half years ago, I think, almost almost five years ago, maybe. Me too. And yeah, same almost. And it, the, um, the costuming and the, 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 the like, uh, uh, the things you can wear walking down the street here are different than anywhere I've ever lived. I mean, I, I went to college in Seattle, so I was there for um, like six years after high school or so, and... Um, and you, it would be, if I wore slacks one day, even with a t-shirt and slacks, people would be like, whoa, where are you going? You're, you're all dressed up. You know, you can't, you can't dress up in Seattle without it being a big deal, kind of. Right. 
Um, and I could be wearing a suit and tie right now. And uh, I mean, I am wearing a suit and tie right now. Of course you are. You're like, yeah. You've got a big suit. And nobody would really look twice at me, you know, because you could wear a wedding dress walking down the street in New York City. And I mean, I don't, you'd probably get some looks, but like, it's not that weird to see well, or a ball I, gown or something. I can always tell the tourists in New York if I'm wearing my leather pants, if I'm going to an event or something like that. And you can always tell the tourists because if, if I have to walk through Times Square, they go, hey, that guy's wearing leather pants. Oh, my you God. Know? Whereas you don't hear that anywhere else, you know? You don't ever hear that anywhere else. Yeah, and, that's not weird at all. It's totally an everyday occurrence, which I love about New York. And yeah. it, it made me way more confident to wear ties any time I wanted to. <laughs> and uh, it made me way more confident to, like... I mean, I used it used to be... Again, we're on a tangent here, but, like, it used to be that my... Um, that I would only really wear a tie if I had like a big date with somebody that I knew and like was, you know, was into and I, that I knew that would be well received. Then I would maybe break out the tie. And I, and I started, um, I started wearing a tie anytime I performed and that was fun because I'd be like, I'd be, sometimes I'd wear the tie the whole day and I'd be like, oh, I have a performance tonight. Oh, you're dressed up today, what you doing? Oh, I have a performance tonight. It was an excuse to, you know, show off and get people to try to come too. So and, um, just those that don't, when you say performance, Oh, I do spoken word poetry, and um, um, yeah, that's that's mostly what I mean. But right. I and readings sometimes too, uh, erotica readings or story readings. Right. Um, and then I started wearing ties on dates, like first dates. Even I'd be like, if you, you know, this is my this is my game. This is my A game. I'm wearing a tie and a jacket and and jeans probably, but I'm wearing a tie. And if you, you know, if that's weird for you, then too bad. Maybe I'm not the guy for you because like that's the kind of thing that I like to do and it, and that's the I guess it's another New York thing maybe is that you can remake yourself so easily and quickly in this city because there's so many damn people and, and that's the thing is that I I don't know if it's maybe remake but you can be the person who you feel most comfortable that you are whereas you can't do that in other parts of the country and that's the thing about about New York too that it is very it is very liberating yeah. because there are so many people out there who if some people have a problem with it there are plenty of people who don't you know right and Right. And it's, it's, you're right, it's not like a remaking so much as like a refining, you know? Like after I dated one girl and started wearing ties every time we went on a date, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just start wearing ties at the beginning. I'm not going to need her permission to wear ties anymore. It's just part of what I do and who I am. Right. And that's a, I think that the, um, I think the swagger came along with some of that too of like um, getting a little bit more into men's fashion and not feeling apologetic about never shopping in the girl's section anymore for example um and uh and finding things that just made my body feel better made made the way that i move through the world um feel more more authentic and more real to me even though it did take me a long time to come to that particular gender expression um because i mean i did grow up i definitely grew up a tomboy but not in the like play sports with the boys and you know um make mud pies and throw them at the girls kind of way at all. I was like a tomboy in like a, a party dress kind of thing. Um, I'd go climb trees and, you know, go have a tea party later or something. I, I didn't really have tea parties, but that's <laughs> bad example. example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stereotypical example. Um, so, it, so it definitely, I didn't cut, like I have not, a lot of butchers that I know and a lot of genderqueer, mas- transmasculine kind of dykes that I know um, have kind of always been very boyish and really rejected that like 
now you have to put your shirt on, honey, kind of phase of, of adolescence and getting older, right? And that really, that wasn't really me. I was very girly um, to some degree growing up. So, so, so I had, I, it took me longer to come to, but once I started kind of going inside of it, it just, it felt like, uh, to quote Tara Hardy, who's one of my mentors, the second coming of Christmas, once I took my real gender out of the closet, because you just, it, it my, um, and, and I think subsequently my sex life exploded. I think that's all totally related. Like once I got better sense of my physical desire and the physical communications that I use, the like languages of desire that I speak and that my body speaks, I was drawing different people to me and I was drawing people that I really wanted to have sex with to me. <laughs> Who go figure wanted to have sex with me too? Yay! <laughs> when... Um are you packing right now? Do you mind if I ask? No, I'm not. You're not. <laughs> I should have been, yeah. Well, no. So this is this is a phenomenon that I was like, wow, that is the coolest thing in the universe. Uh, and that is the concept of packing. Can you explain what packing is? Packing is um, usually when some sort of uh, female-bodied person ends up packing a... Uh, ends up putting a... Plastic phallus <laughs> in their pants, uh, wearing a strap-on, wearing a dildo, wearing some sort of cock. Um, they make some particular, like uh, really soft ones, really really soft ones that you can just put in your briefs and walk around with all day, and nobody really can tell. It's a lot harder to hard pack. They call it um, with something that you can actually fuck with. Because, you know, unlike yours, ours don't go from soft to hard. We have to have one or the other, unfortunately. Sure. Um, Someday, someday I will design a dildo that will do that. Very soon. On my, you know, on my to-do list for for the world. Um, I'm sure that I'm not the only one who's, for whom that is a goal, however. So (laughs) hopefully someone else will get to that first before I do. Because I got a lot of other shit to do. You actually wrote about uh, the different con- You actually wrote about what the toys Packing that you would, the toys you would have brought on you on a deserted island, right? Oh yeah, recently I did. Yeah. Right. And 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 you were talking about there's the, the one you would pack most often is not the one you'd be using to fuck for long periods of time. Uh, yeah, the one I used to pack most often is called the Silky, um, also AKA M- M- Mr. Bendy at Babeland. Miss Babeland calls it Mr. Bendy, um, and it is. It, you can't, it is hard enough to fuck with and it's small enough and like it, it has an internal spine in it so it bends so you can like pull it to the side so it's not just a ten <laughs> pull yeah. it's, it's actually kind of small when you're like it's it's a fine cock for fucking it does quite well it's a great cock for blowjobs I think it's not like super girthy or super long um, but the cocks that I like that really do it for me are a little bigger and a little longer to fuck with for a while. And like, like the silky, you don't want to fuck for like six hours on a Saturday with that thing. It's too little. Like you get bored after a little while and you're like, wow, could you just use your fist please? (laughs) So, well, yeah. So, so there are other cocks that I upgrade to, but it's really fun. I I actually broke, uh, Kristen broke the silky. <laughs> this is the one you're seeing now. Yeah, the one I'm seeing now broke it um, a couple months ago, and I haven't replaced it yet. And just this past weekend, she and I were maybe last weekend. She was saying, "Please get another one. You haven't fucked me in public nearly enough lately." <laughs> and, and because I don't, you know, hard pack in public, 
with anything else. So. Right. So when you said she said, uh, I have to just back up here. You said she told you you haven't fucked me in public. Nearly enough Nearly lately, enough. yeah. So, yeah, in I used to, yeah. Yeah, I used to do that with uh, her th- more. This but. has to do with the uh, your other review you wrote recently about the best bars to have Oh, sex yeah. In. Yeah, I did write, uh, this was both on the Ask Me Anything questions. Uh, then Sugar Witch had a three year anniversary, and then I do an open comment thread so anybody can just say, just ask me whatever is on your mind, whatever question you've always wanted to ask me, that kind of thing. And, um, and that's kind of fun, actually. I, I enjoy that. Uh, so one of them was, what are your favorite cock, what are your favorite toys? And the other one was, um, what are your favorite bars to fuck in? And I, I like fucking in bars a lot. I mean, there's so, seduction in bars is so classic and so fun, you know? Like, you get a couple of drinks, the conversation is like, pop, 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 you're having a good time. It's so sexy, and then you're like, oh, I have to go all the way to Brooklyn to get laid now. Ugh. And I mean, you know, there's always the cab ride home, which also can be fun. Sure. But, um... But sometimes you want something a little sooner than that. So there's some fabulous bathrooms in New York City to fuck in. You have such a better sex life than I do. (laughs) I've never even... You ever had sex in a bathroom? No. In New York City? No. Who am I going to have sex with in a bathroom in New York City? I don't know. Exactly. You find me one of the first and I'll let you know. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, get out your get out your black book. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get out I my uh, my Twitter. Yeah, you get your Twitter. <laughs> All right, everybody. Yeah, no, I, that, so that's when I asked. So when when she said in public, she meant like in bathrooms and in bathrooms and parks and you know sometimes there's a particularly dark doorway that is really fabulous if we're feeling bold and late at night and she's wearing a skirt and no panties, you know. You act like this is no big deal, but this is like I'm sure there are people. Who, Okay, I can't be the only square <laughs> who's sitting here. Are you I mean, square I, I would, now? Well, apparently. I mean, I would love to have your sex life, you know? I, the, that's just incredible. And, and and I'm sure there's plenty of other people like, oh, wow, this is like the stuff they we, read about. I, thank God. I mean, Chris and I have been dating almost five months, and it is really lovely to be dating somebody who has a similar sex drive that I do. And in fact, I think... I think one time so far I've been like, oh my God, woman, get off me. I can't fuck you anymore today. Right. But like most of the time, hell yeah, let's go for it. And I don't, and that, I mean, that was, I can't fuck you anymore today, which was kind of probably we, I woke you up with my cock inside you and at seven and then we went back to sleep at nine thirty, and then we got up at 11 and fucked until four. You right. know what I mean? So sure. we, it was like, okay, it's six now. I need to eat something. Kind of <laughs> stop. <laughs> But uh, I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky to have someone to. Uh, I know. Awesome. <laughs> I'm really. I feel really lucky to have to be playing with her. She's fantastic and so sexy and just like it's just really good. She lets me do all sorts of stuff that I always wanted to do. For those, uh, you're in a relationship right now, but just in general, for those submissives who are, and this is just submissives in general who are okay. listening, who are, would uh, <laughs> want to have a, a dominant or a top like you. Mm. What's a good way to attract someone like yourself? In other words, what can someone do to flex their submissive muscles or something to, to bring out your toppiest of top? Ooh. Are there things that kind of like trigger? You know, there, there, well, there's I things mean, like submissive triggers, like if you maybe uh, pull someone's hair or if you do that, they'll, they'll get into that submissive space a lot faster, right? There are so many submissive triggers. I'm curious if you have any dominant triggers things that people can do that make you really want to right so like after you're already going for it and you're at any like, point oh at any either, point either like is there well I was because I was thinking in like the how do I get your attention and 
get convince you to take me back to the bed with you or whatever. But like, and I think during, I think at that point, it's kind of about lip service because until you actually get someone in bed or until you until you start kissing, actually. Maybe maybe a little before the kissing. There's, oh gosh, that's a complicated question. So. I think that I think there's a degree to which you can actually speak directly to it, which would is usually my first clue of like some sort of acknowledgement of I'm into you and I know what you want and I know what you like. Um, I'm, and then I'll then I'll start raising my game mm-hmm. if that if that kind of comes up in conversation. Like, of course, what happens when I start talking to some cute girl is that we start talking about sex. So that should come I wonder up. How, I wonder how that. I don't know how that. It's just always the conversation just veers that way. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. The weather is nice. So what do you like to fuck? Yeah. How do you like to fuck? So, what, so how long can you suck off? Um, <laughs> but then there's like there, there becomes um, once the game gets a little more elevated, there becomes a physical component of communication, right? Like I will, I will be. very gentlemanly for a long time when we're just chatting and I will not make I will make some moves but I won't make a lot of moves without some without part of the way paved eye contact or something like that right some flirtation happening then I'll start making moves Um, so the physical um, communication that starts happening has to do with like if I, oh, it's so hard to describe because it's all so physical, you know? Um, if I move this way, how do you move? Or if I move my hand here, what are you gonna do? Or if I, you know, if I put my arm on the back of the chair and lean back, are you gonna lean into me or are you gonna lean away? Are you gonna, are you, how are you gonna respond if I end up with my hand on your knee, you know? So there's, so there's that. And then there's the actual kissing. And you can tell, I can often tell if a girl is a top or not by kissing her. Because, which is not to say that girls who are bottoms don't kiss with a lot of um, gusto. ferociousness. <laughs> yes, <Sure>. gusto. <laughs> yeah. And power and like strength. Oh my God, they totally do. But, um, but there's this just a more complicated physical dance of give and take and you start getting a feel for how that energy is running between you. You probably, you probably have that experience too. Sure. Oh, wow, you're not that dominant of a woman. Well, no, that, a lot of people, people sometimes assume, oh, if you're submissive, you're going to be just lay back and do whatever, you know. Um, right, which is bullshit. It's, it's a real interesting thing because submissives, I think, are a lot easier to read. Maybe I'm wrong. To read? To read as far as, and, it, and it's easier to make a submissive submit than it is to make a dominant dominate. Oh. I should say, it just, it, the, it just seems to be a little bit, it's, it's hard for a submissive to entice someone to dominate them. It's a really good point. But it's, it seems to be very easy for, then again, I, I'm fairly easy myself, so I don't know. Well, you're like, easy, plus you know it from inside the submissive point of view. Like, I, I feel like it's pretty easy to get me to, like, flip into that mode. And, but let me think about that. It's, um, it's easy, I think, once you know me. Like, Krista can do it in zero to 60 in two seconds. What you know what do? I mean? I don't know. I'm trying to think. What does she do? So, I mean, and... Does she know the body parts of, of her that of hers that she can flaunt to make you want it more, or does she? Is it something she says? Does or she do that? Doing? 
Maybe she does that, and I don't even. I think a lot of this, I don't even know what she's doing. Maybe you know, she it's just kind of a mystery. It. She maybe, yeah, maybe she's not doing it super on purpose too. I mean, there's. I think a lot of it is in like gestures, like the like the head down a little bit, looking up through her eyelashes. She's shorter than me, so she makes me feel tall when she does that kind of thing, even though I'm not that tall. And um, she, it's there's a lot of like. She just, her eyes start doing this smoky thing. And she, I mean, when we start getting going, she knows that she can get me to to do more, um, depending on how she resists me, too. You know, I mean, if, if she starts resisting me, that's often a clue to, 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 like, hold her down a little harder. Oh, wow. Which is like, you know, I could get away from you right now. Do you want me to? Oh, you don't? Maybe you should do something about that. She's kind of bratty, then, is what a little bit, not a ton, not a ton. Just, just, I'm not big on brats. Maybe, it's, right, right. It's maybe, it's just her way of showing you that this is what she wants. Yeah, and I've told her, I've told her that before too. That like, if she wants to entice me a little more, that that's a way that she can kind of bring it out of me. And and it doesn't always work that way. I mean, sometimes she'll break away from me, and I'll be like, Oh, really? You're not going to be nice and sit there and you know take it? Well, then, right. Fine, go over there then. <laughs> See if I can. At Kink for All, uh, you did a presentation called Confidence. Is that the only time you've ever done the presentation or is this? Yes, so far. And can you describe, can you give us the five minute version? I had the idea of uh, specifically cock confidence um, for folks who don't necessarily, weren't necessarily born with a cock. But, um, although, but although I think that that, I think that that's not necessarily a barrier that I would choose to keep there either. I think that, um, Having confidence in the way that you use it and the way that you play with it and the way that, like, you are able to wear it around is important and affects your sex play, go figure, <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of people in the in the work I've done in Sugar Witch, there's a lot of people who've been like, oh, my God, I really wish my girlfriend would strap on and I don't know how to, you know, um, get her to do that, basically. Or, or I really want to, but my girlfriend laughs at me when I do this or... You know, the only thing we have is this purple dildo shaped like a dolphin, and I don't really know how to strap it on in any way that feels sexy. Go figure. And, I mean, there's a big stigma, too, in the dyke community of, like, you know, you've, you've probably seen all those dildos that are all shaped like other animals and things. I mean, right. there's there's a stigma there, I feel like, that, um, that, you sh- that the dykes are not supposed to like cock, right? Like, that's very, that's heterocentric, and it's for cis men and it's not for dykes at all and you know um it's taken it's taken me a little while to kind of come to my very heavily cock-centric sexuality with like as a lesbian who dates women and what is that you know try to reconcile what that means or how that works with my own sense of self and sense of masculinity and sense of relationships too so the idea about the workshop was to talk about um, things that make you feel more confident and things that, uh, you know, little tips or tricks about, like, faking it, basically. Basically faking it until you have more confidence and, the like, ways to get it. And some of the ways that it might be helped are that your partner, you know, treats it like a real val- valuable, important thing. And some, you know, obviously it's not really going to help you if person you're trying to use it with is like ha 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 look at your cock right ouch that sucks (laughs) that totally sucks that hurt my cock a little bit just to say that (laughs) ha 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 look at your cock 
Maybe in the way, in the good way of like, oh my god, look at your cock. Like that would be, I could deal with that. We'll just rephrase different. that. Okay, that that's better. My cock doesn't hurt. Different emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I wrote a piece about it on Sugar Butch after the King for All uh, workshop, and um, I guess I just, I just thought it was important to, to say that like. I'm not necessarily born with cock confidence, even people who are born with cocks. And you have to kind of learn how to use this tool. And you have to kind of, especially when it's not necessarily part of your biological makeup that, you know, you, um, the, the, like, put it in a drawer kind, right? Like, you have to figure out how it fits on you and how it's comfortable. And so some of the things I said was, you know, wear it around when you're cleaning at home, for example. Or wear it just to sit on the couch and watch TV or try to jerk off with it and what is that like and what does it feel like and how does that work for you and just like getting to know it take it off and put it on and take it off and put it on and like get used to where um which buckles you have to change if you're wearing a harness that you are gonna wear later so just getting used to like the mechanics of the thing is also helpful and treating it like it's you don't have to apologize for it people like femmes who like cocks for example are not unicorns they're not non-existent there there's not just one of them <laughs> forever so um treating it like it's something you know have treating it like it's something that you have a right to play with and you have a right to own and, and explore so you also t- t- talked about uh confidence when you do whip it out in that moment of what you how you actually whip it out for the first time in front of someone knowing when the right moment is and stuff right and i mean well, and some of that too, that moment of, um, of like a lot, and a lot of people don't pack, right. As much as, as much as I do or as, at all, really. Um, so there's also that moment of like making out and then you're starting to maybe have sex and maybe some clothes are off or maybe not or whatever. Like, when do you go and actually get the thing and put it on? And, um, and how do you do that with some, you know, suaveness and gusto and not like, lose totally lose your energy because I was really nervous about that moment for a long time of just like wow I feel so disconnected from you now and what like I kind of have to restart now because it's not like I can just get on top of you and start pounding away when I after I have my cock on like I have to go back and like start kissing you again and like work up to it so like how do you keep that connection with somebody while you're on the other side of the room doing something that makes you feel really naked and vulnerable possibly and um I mean I don't I don't think I have I don't think I have wonderful answers to that. I think part of it is practice. I think a big part of it is practice. I think part of it is keeping, you know, keeping that connection alive, like maybe talking or um, eye contact or those kind of things as you're, as you're actually going on to put the thing on. And I've said, you know, put your hand on your clit, wait for me, don't move, stay right there, whatever. Just some orders, giving some orders in that moment helps if, I mean, helps if you're in a, top bottom dominant submissive kind of thing absolutely it's harder when you're just kind of hanging out having sex (laughs) which a lot of us do also (laughs) um but yeah that that also helps me and that keeps the tension although it's it's also helped me to talk to femmes about this moment too where they're like i love that moment of watching you strap it on i love that moment of like watching it happen before my eyes this like transformation then like knowing that that is about to 
you know, I get to suck that in a minute or I get to whatever in a minute. I, mean, I, I love that part. I love, I like the anticipation. I like the waiting, which made me a lot less nervous. I always would feel like, oh my God, this is taking such a long time. This buckle won't close right. Oh shit, it's not on tight enough. And how can I, ah, like it was always a little bit of a panicky moment for me. Well, it was often a panicky moment for me of like, I'm going to, she's going to lose her heart on if I don't come back fast enough and like do it right now. Cause you know, especially in the beginnings when you're starting to fuck somebody, like it all seems so precarious. Like you just breathe wrong and she's going to be like, um, I'm sorry. I gotta feed my cat. Bye. Yeah. There's just there's pig paranoia that, you know, yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're anxious and excited and you want it to happen. Now you get impatient with it. So like, so the more comfortable you are with the actual unit of the thing and the more comfortable you are with your partner too. Like I think that that, I think that that diminishes greatly, but you know, for people who haven't done it a lot, it can be really scary, I think. And so like, I, that's part of what I say, like practice with yourself on your own and wear it in the shower. If you have a, um, waterproof harness only if you have a waterproof harness, right. Wear it, wear it packing somewhere, you know, get a, get a packer and, and wear it around and just practice to see what it feels. Nobody knows about it. Like, you'd be surprised. Well, maybe more people see my crotch than I know. <laughs> maybe more people notice than I, than I know about, but like... Well, who cares if they see it, right? I mean, right, totally. Like, that doesn't... It's usually... My pants are usually baggy enough that it's like, whatever. It's, you can't really tell. But it's uh, but people won't like. It's not like anybody's gonna be like, oh my god, what do you have in your pants? You know. <laughs> well, maybe they will. Maybe it'll be the other way around. Again, inflection and be. syllable. Oh my god. Oh my god, what do you have in your pants? <laughs> I have many dreams that someone would actually say that to me. <laughs> They should say that to you. That would be nice, wouldn't it, to hear that? You should write them a script. We should. <laughs> okay, just say this. Put on this. Put on this cowboy hat and. Uh, and say, say this and wait here and wave. it better be just as hard in and, two minutes as it is right now and if right you're not now. waving the Argentinian flag as well it's not it's going to completely ruin it for me <laughs> is that oh we just stumbled onto one of your kings yes apparently uh, Argentinian flag yeah. um, see that was perfect excellent thank you so much there you go the very first uh, episode of, with Sinclair that was years and years ago but uh, you know this is a rerun we're, we're in reruns right now Thanks for downloading, and go to mastercast.com if you'd like to uh, contact me. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.